you'll battle And they know you won't return They tax you while you're living And when you're gone they still will learn For freedom Is a price they would not pay And they call it patriotic To throw your life away But prize soldiers Hear what I say Stop the violence Bye. 
Good morning. It's time for the news from Back Home Magazine, your hands-on guide to sustainable living. Today's news is about healthy cleaning around the home. It may not seem like it, but spring is just four weeks away, and ritual spring cleaning efforts around the home will soon come to mind. Before you simply reach for some commercial chemical cleansers you have stored under the sink, consider this. The Poison Control Center has recorded some 1.5 million cases of poison ingestion, many victims' children. Not exclusively limited to cleaning agents, products in the home today often contain lead, formaldehyde, methanol, hydrochloric acid, and petroleum derivatives, just to name a few dangerous ingredients. At the same time, reactions and allergies to these chemicals and many more are on the rise across the United States. Children today face a dramatic increase in the likelihood of developing reactions and allergies compared to just a decade ago. One place to reduce this risk is in the home when it's time to clean. Simply put, we rarely, if ever, actually need those expensive and potentially toxic cleaners on the market. Get back to the basics and use regular soap and hot water for hand washing and dishwashing. Antibacterial soaps do kill off some of the weaker germs. This is true. However, they also leave the stronger germs to multiply and develop resistance. Washing dishes by hand is easier and more effective when the water is at least 110 degrees. So consider wearing latex gloves and turning up the heat. And letting dishes air dry is not only energy efficient, but also helps to sanitize the surfaces. Of course, everyone eventually runs into serious grease, grime, and caked-on materials that simple soap and hot water won't dent. The answer is right in your pantry, white vinegar. This nearly forgotten hero of cleaning and sanitizing is very inexpensive, very effective, and completely non-toxic. Mix water and vinegar 50-50, and you have a terrific cleanser for windows, chrome surfaces, mirrors, and many surfaces. Pour some full strength into the toilet bowl and let it sit for 20 minutes. Then a quick scrub and things are fresh as new. Add a few drops of eucalyptus oil or tea tree oil to vinegar and hot water, and you'll have a great floor cleaner at a fraction of the cost of store-bought. For the oven, mix vinegar, liquid hand soap, and baking soda into a paste and apply it over the baked-on spills. Let it sit for about 45 minutes and then just scrub clean. Salt is a terrific scouring agent. Lemons not only freshen the air but offer sanitizing properties. Cornstarch deodorizes carpets. Vegetable oil can be used as furniture polish. Cornmeal can soak up grease stains, and borax is an excellent substitute for chlorine bleach. More information about healthy home cleaning is available in issue number 81 of Back Home Magazine at 800-992-2546 or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. Back Home is published bi-monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Blue Ridge Road, just east of the old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, this is Ned Ryan Doyle. Thanks for listening.
Are you ready for the end of the world? Listen to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. Listen to Your Community Spirit every Friday morning from 10 to 10.30 right here on WDBX 91.1. Good morning. You are listening to Your Community Spirit. And this is Ord Energymon. And this is Tree Song. And as usual, we're here to bring you a half hour of enviro social talk with enough wackiness to make you wake up i guess yes wake up (laughs) um i'm sure there is a few happenings in this town but as usual people sometimes forget to let us know about them yeah you too can be famous if you send us happenings um so we had to make a few of our own yes (laughs) here we go permaculture fundraiser this is for tree songs trip to the earth activist training at the end of August, Treesong will spend two weeks at the Earth Activist Training. This Earth Activist Training combines a full permaculture certification course and practical training for community organizers. Treesong will bring this knowledge back to Southern Illinois through workshops and other community events. Please come to the Permaculture Fundraiser to learn more about the Earth Activist Training and show your support for ecological principles and practices. Um, that's this Friday. Well, that's today, right? Yes, today. Friday, July 28th at 7 p.m. at the Big Muddy IMC, which is at 214 North Washington Street. So there will be information about Earth Activist Training, and um, Trisong will give a talk about permaculture. Yes. <laughs> what is permaculture? What is permaculture? Well, it's short <laughs> for permanent agriculture. <laughs> so... For more information, you can contact Treesong at 525-0625 or Treesong at treesong.org. Someone's calling you right now. Uh, no, not yet, but <laughs> it occurred to me, you know, it's it's polite, just like at a movie theater. When you're on the radio actually talking to your listener, you put your cell phone on, you know, not ringing. <laughs> yeah, send Treesong some good vibes. So, um, other happenings? All the happenings? Uh, How about regular ongoing happenings? Yeah. Well, I know they have the. They always have the vigil on Saturdays at noon at the Town Square Pavilion. That's uh, here in Carbondale, the Town Square Pavilion. And then every Saturday morning from 8 till noon, there is the Farmer's Market. Ah, yes, the Farmer's Market. All sorts of uh, fresh local veggies there. And um, they have... I'm glad you mentioned that because it reminds me too. They at the co-op they also have some of the local veggies that they have at the farmers market, and they have all of these these melons like heirloom melons that are different varieties that you don't even know what they are, and it's pretty pretty exciting. What's so special about an heirloom melon? Well, it's it's basically you know special varieties that seeds have been saved you know over the years, and it's you know if if you go to most grocery stores or even even a lot of farmers markets. Well, they don't even have seeds. Yeah, then. they don't even have seeds, and they'll have, like, you know, one kind of melon or one kind of tomato. But with heirlooms, you get a bunch of different kinds, and 
different flavors, different growing uh, conditions that they like. So it's pretty exciting. When I put together this all the news for this show yesterday, it was still hot. <laughs> so I have a few show, you know, things about it really being hot, like this one. Come fry with me. <laughs> Heat wave causing deaths, power outages. North America and Europe are suffering under a smeltering heat wave that has caused death, widespread irritability, and a powerful thirst. So far, some 21 deaths are reported in France, two in Spain, and at least a 29 in the U.S. In southern England, they're facing what may be the worst a drought in a century. On the upside, the U.K. bottled water industry reports a record high sales. <laughs> Back on the downside, utility uh, consolidated Edison choose this fallacious moment to preside over a massive power outage in Queens, New York. Around 100,000 New Yorkers, normally so soft-spoken and courteous, are now protesting loudly as mm -hmm. some reach their seventh day without light, refrigeration, or air conditioning. Heat-adled mines naturally turn to global warming. But remember, scientists won't allow you to say that the heat wave was caused by global warming. It's just consistent with global warming. We expect elderly residents stranded on the upper floors of Queen's apartment buildings with non-functioning elevators will find the distinction fascinating. Just <laughs> fascinating. Straight to the source, Planet Arc Reuters, The New York Times, the 24th of July, azcentral.com, Associated Press, the 22nd of July, The Independent, msnbc.com, Reuters, the 23rd of July. Some people like talking about heat and global warming. So. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe it'll get those people without the air conditioning to complain about how the global warming keeps consistenting the heat waves <laughs> instead of causing them. <laughs> so let's see. Actually, we'll jump to this one in other global warming news. Docket science. Global warming likely to spur litigation against polluters. As global warming's effects reverberate across the planet, expect an uptick in litigation against governments and companies. Pacific Islanders, whose homes are being swallowed by the ocean, African farmers with withered crops, and ski resort owners resigned to offering mountaintop water skiing. What? <laughs> mountaintop water skiing. <laughs> I guess the melting glaciers. They, uh, they may seek redress. Quote, if the evidence hardens up, it has all the ingredients of the tobacco case, said Miles Allen of Oxford University. It won't be easy to prove that a specific company or country is liable for making global warming worse, but that doesn't mean enterprising lawyers won't try. Quote, there have been no large awards of damages, but there are an increasing number of cases, said Rhoda, <coughs> excuse me, Rhoda Verhagen of the group Climate Justice, which advises pla plaintiffs in climate cases. Most global warming-related litigation thus far has been directed at the greenhouse gassiest of them all, the U.S., which produces a quarter of the world's emissions. Straight to the source, Reuters, 26th of July, 2006. Well, you like we like talking about the heat. Today's tip: huh. make your own air conditioner. Ooh, part two. Huh. Air conditioning is a very hot topic at the moment. Hmm. It usually it seems to be unusually hot in both Europe and North America this summer. How are people beating the heat? 
The folding fan is making a comeback. Huh. It's cheap, quiet, small, portable, energy efficient, and comes in hundreds of attractive designs. <laughs> Can we ask more of the humble fan? With temperatures hitting over 100 degrees outside and even hotter in buses and cars, it's just the right time for the revival of the fan. Automated, by hand. <laughs> quiet, compact, energy efficient. It is the perfect environmentally correct cooler. Forget about those annoying little battery-powered little thingies. If you dig deep enough in your cupboard, you are sure to find from one of these fans from your aunt's trip to Spain 20 years ago. Folding fans originated in Japan and China, brought to Europe by merchant traders. The Victorians loved them and even developed a fan language to be used in courtship. A fan in the right hand in front of the face means follow me. Mm-hmm. In the left hand, it means I am desirous of your acquaintance. Need we say more about the simple fan? Straight to the source, the Guardian. Huh. You know, I'm a big fan of that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 powered by biofuels too. Well, yeah. it matters what you eat. Matters what you eat. I mean, you could drink diesel, but <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Personally, I run on, you know, veggies. (laughs) So let's see. In other news... Oh, here we go. One that actually may or may not be of local interest. We'll find out in September. (laughs) They weren't kidding about the future part. Feds move forward with clean coal plant, kind of. (laughs) The U.S. government is moving ahead with FutureGen, a $1 billion demonstration clean coal plant... And by moving ahead, we mean they've decided that it will be one it will be built on one of four sites in either Texas or Illinois. The final siting decision will be made in September of two thousand and seven. Construction could begin in two thousand and nine. Operations are unlikely to start up until twenty twelve. Some environmentalists support the future gen concept, turning coal into a hydrogen rich gas and sequestering carbon underground. I like the part sequestering carbon underground. Yes. Basically, uh-huh. instead of pumping the pollution into the air, well, they'll pump it into old abandoned mines underground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess they got to put it somewhere. <laughs> and I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Just but they're, they're providing energy with virtually no above-ground CO2 emissions. <laughs> but wish the feds, they wish that the feds would hurry up a little. Quote, it's a very expensive plant, and it won't bear any fruit for years. In the meantime, that money could be going to carbon-reducing technologies with a near-term benefit, said Rebecca Stanfield of Environment Illinois. Those dang environmentalists. Those, those tree-huggers always with their wacky ideas. Like, like keeping the trees alive so we can breathe. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> when it finally gets online, FutureGen is expected to be a model of clean power generation. Okay. As expected. <laughs> Oops. I, I think they forgot the quotes around the, the clean power generation. <laughs> who, who wrote this one anyway? <laughs> Meanwhile, 150 regular coal-fired plants are expected to be built in the U.S. in coming years, and they could increase the nation's greenhouse gas emissions by 10%. Straight to the source, Reuters, uh, Chicago Sun-Times, 26th of July, 2006. And yeah, I... They accidentally threw in a little bit of editorial there in that one. Oops. 
that happens. So these these are my views and not the views of <laughs> anyone else. What are you talking about? <laughs> there are views of tens of thousands of you know gerbils somewhere. Oh yes. Here is something to find out that um. Anyway, I'll just read it. NASA NASA lapso. Huh. NASA deletes planet protecting phrasing from the mission statement. Huh. The phrase to understand and protect our home planet was quietly deleted from NASA's mission statement in February. The agency's mission now is to pioneer the future in space exploration, scientific discovery, and aeronautics research. NASA's 19,000 employees were neither consulted nor informed ahead of time of the decision. The planet protection phrase had been added to the mission statement in 2002. Scientists say it shaped research priorities, and the deletion will reduce incentive for research on phenomena like, oh, let's say, let's pick one, global warming <laughs> or climate change. I like climate change better because, yeah. you know, some places will get cold, some places will get warm. Or um, dramatic weather destabilization. Yeah, poor, poor Ireland and Northern Europe may be turned to tundra. The NASA agency spokesflack, David Sletz, said the change reflected President Bush's goal of flying people to the moon and Mars. Hmm. Um, people he didn't like, what? He could be the first one we sent to Mars. <laughs> the deleted phrase was oft repeated last winter by top NASA climate scientist James Hansen, whose advocacy on the issue of global warming has famously drawn censorious pressure from political employees. The sports flag for NASA said Hansen's use of the phrase and its subsequent disappearance from the mission statement was, quote, pure coincidence. <laughs> I like saying instead of coincidence, quinky dink. Quinky dink. Straight to the source, the New York Times, the 22nd of July, 2006. Yes. See, on that one, we only got one newspaper <laughs> reporting on it because it's like whatever. Yeah, it's a li little detail. <laughs> the heat wave, now everybody's talking about that. Yeah. It reminds me, though, of... One of my favorite bumper stickers that I saw it was, uh, Earth first, we'll strip mine the other planets later. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the Pledge of Allegiance to the Planet. Yeah. I Pledge Allegiance to the Planet. I forgot it now. One one Earth, love it or leave it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So. So let's see. Do you have the one about, um, what is it, GMOs somewhere? About cotton and GMOs? I do. Cotton a trap? GM? Yeah, GM I, cotton. I like it because it's reported by the St. Louis Dispatch, which is, you know, St. Louis is where Monsanto is. Yeah. So <laughs> they broke the news that, well, go they for it. They broke the news about Monsanto. <laughs> cotton a trap. Ha ha. Cotton a trap. Ha. Read that. Yes, I am the punisher. <laughs> GM cotton doesn't cut pesticide use long-term. What? New, new research indicates. Uh, apparently long-term, the GM cotton just isn't cutting it. <laughs> Biotech giant Monsanto touts its genetically modified cottonseed, spliced with the bollworm-killing BT toxin, as money and earth-saving because it allegedly <laughs> lowers the need for pesticides. Has it got quotes around allegedly? No, it, oh. it's got... Tree song inserting the word allegedly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, funny story about that, though. A new study found that cotton farmers using the seed 
soon fell back into heavier pesticide use. Researchers from Cornell University followed 481 cotton growers in China who had been using Monsanto's BT seed, which is two to three times more expensive than conventional cotton seed. They found that for the first three years the farmers grew GM cotton, they used 70% less pesticide, thus earning 36% more income than non-GM growers. But then other bugs popped up that would normally have been killed by bullworm pesticides. After seven years, the GMers were using nearly as much pesticides as the non-GMers. It had an income 8% lower. More than a third of the world's cotton is grown from Monsanto's BT seeds, with over 105 million acres in the U.S. alone. Straight to the source, the Independence, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, 25th of July, 2006. Caught in a trap. Okay, I got a couple stories about the Amazon. First, the bad news. Maybe I'm amazon all the way. I really need you. I don't get that one at all. <laughs> Maybe I'm Amazon all at the way. I really need you. Oh, amazed. <laughs> Drought <laughs> could turn Amazon into deserts, researchers warn. The Amazon rainforest, soon to be called the artist formerly known as the Amazon rainforest and then just some little weird symbol, appears to be undergoing a second year of drought. And that has some researchers seriously alarmed. Starting in 2002, scientists at the Woods Hole Research Center simulated drought on a small section of the Amazon and found that after two years, the trees begin to die, fall, and release more than two-thirds of their lifetime storage of carbon dioxide. Widespread deforestation of the rainforest would likely spread drought into the northern hemisphere. The Amazon contains 90 billion tons of CO2, enough to accelerate global warming by 50%, spinning it out of control and eventually making the world, well, inhabitable. Computer models predict that harm to 50% of the Amazon would represent a tipping point. After that, the whole thing starts going down to tubes. Today, about 20% of the Amazon have been totally razed, and 22% have been harmed by logging. Oi. It's only Tuesday, and we're already doomed. Yeah. <laughs> Straight to the source, the Independent, 23rd of July, 2006. Now, I don't know if you remember last week, I said about how vegetarians were, um, well, killing the earth because they were eating so much soy. Yeah. And so... Um, apparently because they grow a lot of the soy after cutting down the Amazon. Soycot. Big soy companies pledge not to source from recently deforested Amazon. Mm -hmm. Now for some Amazon news that won't make you want to slit your wrists. (laughs) Soy producers operating in Brazil, including U.S. agribiz giant Cargill and Archer Daniel Midland, announced that they will put a two-year stop to buying soybeans grown in recently deforested areas of the Amazon. So, vegetarians, united, we... whatever. United, we eat soy. (laughs) Yeah. They also said they won't buy soybeans from plantations that use, well, slave labor. Woohoo! Yeah. Yeah. During the moratorium, it's a two-year moratorium. They're not saying forever. Two Uh, years. (laughs) No no slavery for two years. During the moratorium... 
Uh, producers will work with the Brazilian government and non-governmental organizations to develop new rules for operating in the Amazon region. An in-depth Greenpeace investigation published earlier this year found that many businesses source their soy from illegal Amazon plantations. Unnerved by the report, top European supermarkets, food manufacturers, and, well, fast food chains began pushing soy producers to clean up their acts. And, well, soy companies relented. Greenpeace applauded the moratorium as a good, well, first step, but said better long-term systems for preserving the Amazon need to be put in place. Straight to the source, Planetark Reuters, the Mercury News Associated Press, the 25th of July, BBC News, The Guardian, the 24th of July. Yes. Yeah, as soon as they heard us read the story on our show, they said, well, okay, yeah. it's time for us to change our ways. <laughs> that, that's the power of the community media, folks. <laughs> there you go. And see, if you listen yes. to us, we will tell you what to do. Yes. <laughs> listen to the media. You will now s- <laughs> dance like a chicken. <laughs> Hey, you're better at it than me. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> no, that's a turkey. <laughs> so in other news, who pimped the electric car? <laughs> Silicon Valley startup unveils a sexy electric car. As gas prices rise and vehicle emissions nudge the planet towards chaos, a Silicon Valley startup is hyping the electric Tesla Roadster, which goes from 0 to 60 nice. in 4 seconds. Yeah, I'd like just the name of it, the Tesla Roadster. I'm a big uh, Tesla person. <laughs> uh, and the Tesla Roadster goes from 0 to 60 in 4 seconds, has a top speed of 135 miles per hour, and costs over $80,000, with built-in satellite navigation technology and the iPod dock included. Quote, Most electric cars were designed by and for people who fundamentally don't think we should drive. Tesla Motors CEO Martin Eberhard recently wrote on the company blog, We at Tesla Motors love cars. <laughs> Financed in part by big guns from Google, eBay, and PayPal, the two-seater Roadster can go up to 250 miles on its 240-horsepower electric motor before its lithium-ion batteries need recharging. Wow. Did I read that right? 250 miles on its 240 horsepower motor before it needs recharging. Um, it only goes 40 miles an hour. Okay. So, it's the, I... Yeah. I think, yeah, I think top speed is like 40 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. But which is cool. I mean, if you're just going 40 miles an hour, you can still go 250 miles, though? Yeah. Yeah, I'm willing to go that slow in order to go that far. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, that's not that slow. I mean... If you, in terms of cars, maybe. Yeah, in terms of cars, in but terms in terms of, of walking, walking or me on my bicycle, <laughs> you know, that's fast. And so, the Roadster will be available in L.A. and San Francisco this year, and in Chicago, New York, and Miami by the end of next year. For those who are on more modest budgets, they also hope to launch a cheaper electric family sedan <laughs> within three years. <laughs> Why do they get the kids out to push? <laughs> yeah. I had to make some kind of electric joke. The kids can recharge by pedaling. (laughs) They like to pedal. Little kids have a lot of energy. Straight to the source, Washington Post, CBS News, 22nd of July, 2006. Did you already read this about what electric cars? Um, No, I haven't. 
We've been talking a lot about electric cars, but what actual electric cars are available in the U.S. at this moment? Yes. Well, there are actually only two electric cars available in the U.S. that you can buy that are mass-produced. Mm-hmm. You can buy kits. You can buy for, kits. For almost any type of vehicle, you know, uh, small pickups, small cars, mostly small vehicles. Yeah, they've, you know. they've got a kit out there to turn a, you know, a gas-powered motorcycle into an electric-powered motorcycle. Yeah, yeah those, things, those things rock, too. I've <laughs> ridden on one of those. It scared me. <laughs> it was just like... So there are a total of two electric vehicles for sale in the U.S., the NMG from Myers Modal and the Zebra from Zap. The NMG, which stands for No More Gas, electric vehicle is part car, part motorcycle. It's highway legal and can hit 70 miles an hour and cost less than $25,000. I actually saw one at the Energy Fair in uh, Wisconsin, and it, it looks like a bullet. Huh. It's it's beautiful, beautiful. The Zap Zebra is a similar electric car just introduced this summer. The price is under ten thousand, good for going around town with a forty to fifty mile range, and quick enough at forty to fifty miles per hour. Beyond those two cars, there are quite a few other electric cars in the pipeline. You know, we just talked about a couple of them. Yeah. And then there's also um, commuter electric cars, the Tango and the Think Car, which the Think Car, I think, is sold in Europe already. Yeah, so, I think so. Um, well, it's the end of the show. I will read a few headlines. Reps Gone Wild. That stands for representatives. The hmm. House approves new wilderness areas in California, Oregon, and Idaho. The U.S. House unanimously approved bills that would create over 1,000 square miles of new wilderness areas and protect 47 miles of river. Hmm. But now, it has to go to the Senate. Uh (laughs) Let's cross our fingers. (laughs) Yep. And then, it's like rain on your wedding day. I'm sure there's a way to sing that. That's Uh a song. New Arctic Refuge Drilling Bill would spend proceeds on renewable energy. (laughs) Yep. Oh, the, the irony. The new recurring nightmare of drilling in the Arctic Natural Wildlife Refuge is back, but with a new twist. <laughs> so, anyway, that's from the Wall Street Journal, the 26th of July. So, guess what? It is cool outside, and um, you can still go swimming, though. Yeah, you can still go in the forest, too. Yeah, you can still go in the forest, too. I don't have anything else to say. Well, stay energized (laughs) and have fun out there. Out there.